You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Chivalrous sharpshooting Sherlock's in Sherpa shirts. Well, welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 247. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen. And along with me are your clamoring club of clever, clue clinging, clackety cluckers. I'm Colin. And I'm Chris. It sounded like there are a lot of, a lot of, pronunciation landmines there but uh yeah yeah exactly i avoided them all all right well without further ado let's jump into our first general trivia segment pop quiz hot shot where i have a random trivial pursuit card you guys have your barnyard buzzers um here i have a normal trivial pursuit and a pop to culture uh, let's do Pop 2 Culture, Blue Wedge TV. What sitcom aired episodes titled Green-Eyed Dick, Post-Nasal Dick, and Dick is from Mars, Sally is from Venus? Oh. Oh. Chris. Huh. I'm going to go with Third Rock from the Sun. Yes! Oh, okay. good call. That is John Lithgow's character. Yep, yep. yep. Pink Wedge for Fad. What nation's residents were the first to dance the conga? What okay. Do the conga, da, 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 any longer? <laughs> da, 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 da. Chris? Cuba. Yes, right. Cuba. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Good job, Brain. Well, you started singing, and I'm like, and it just, it popped, like, Miami Sound Machine, Cuba. Like Gloria. Yeah. yeah. Yellow Edge. What Fortune 500 company was named for a Herman Melville character? What Fortune oh. f- 500? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Starbucks. Yes. Oh, right, Star- of course. Yes. Starbucks. Yes. <laughs> yes. Recently, we talked so yeah. many times. We recently, so many times. I know. I was just yeah. like. 19% of every question we've ever asked on the show relates to Starbucks. <laughs> Star- <somehow>. Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, he only wrote, I mean, I'm sure he wrote many books, but it's only going to be the one. <laughs> yeah. It's not Moby. Ishmael LLC. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Purple Wedge Music. What nickname did Clash guitarist John Meller earn for the way he played the ukulele as a London street busker? <laughs> uh, let me uh, let me I'm reread sorry. it. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. nickname did yeah. Clash, the band guitarist John Meller, earn for the way he played the ukulele as a London street busker? Uh, uh... <laughs> Colin. I believe in you. Is it just Joe Strummer? Is that it's what Joe Strummer. For? I think I knew he had a stage name, but I didn't know that the Joe was a stage name. Is was what was tripping oh, me yeah, up like, there. Yeah, okay. like, like Joe Cool. Don't overthink yeah. it. Yep. Green Wedge Movies. What S-word did Kevin Klein's character hate being called in A Fish Called Wanda? Oh, I... Great film, but what a random specific question. Oh. I, ha- I haven't seen it. I need to see it. Yeah. That seems like such a Chris Kohler movie. I am. I am it does. Surprised. No, it does. That's why yeah. I want to see it. I just haven't. Yeah. Uh, right. Senator. No. Oh. Uh, read the, read it, the question again, please, Karen. Uh, uh, what S-word did Kevin Klein's character hate being called in A Fish Called Wanda? Also oh, oh. John Cleese and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, Colin. It was stupid. He hated stupid. being called stupid. S&G, sports and game. Last question. What three members of the, the Carey family have broadcast Major League Baseball games. Oh. I oh, could only name man. one. I right. didn't know yeah, there yeah. are three. All right. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's All go. Right. Well, I'll give Chris one. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Mariah. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty dog. <laughs> give taking me a the, softball here, Hey. Yeah. Harry. Harry. Carey. Harry. Carey. But I don't uh, know. I, yeah. Yeah. I. I believe he has a son. Is it? Uh, is it? Is it Chip? Is yes. It okay. okay. It's is both there, both is Chip, and Chip and Skip. Okay. You can oh, see no, why, I was, really? why I was conflating them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. The accidental twofer, Chip and Harry, Skip. Harry, Skip, and Chip. All right. Hey, if you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? 
So my only knowledge of Harry Carey right, is, yeah, of is Will Ferrell as a as him in SNL. Um, oh, should we do another one? All right, let's do let's do a normal. Yeah, things are going so well. Okay, here we go. Trivial Pursuit Classic Edition. Here we go. Blue Wedge Geography. What is the main ingredient in the Indian dish biryani? Oh. Oh. Chris. Rice. Yes, it is rice. Yeah, mm, love a good biryani. Pink Wedge. Lady Gaga teamed up with which famous crooner to sing Baby It's Cold oh. Outside oh, come for on a Barnes now. and Noble bookstore commercial? Oh. Everybody. Tony, Tony Bennett. Bennett. Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. He had two albums out. Yeah, they teamed yeah. up many, many times. They did. Uh, Yellow Edge, who was the first African-American woman to be crowned Miss America? Chris. Vanessa Williams. Vanessa it Williams. is Vanessa Williams. Oh, yeah. I, I like how they worded the question crowned. To be crowned. Not right. win. Yes. Because she they oh. stripped her title. Um, they they did. They did. But who needs them? She, she won. Yeah. She won. She, she yeah. did win. Yeah. Uh, Purple Wedge. Who wrote The Right Stuff? A novel about test <gasps> pilots in the 1960s American space program. Oh, Colin. Uh, I believe that was uh, Tom Wolfe, yeah? Yes, it is okay. Tom Wolfe. Right. Yep. That was what my brain went to, but I don't know. My brain went to Ed Harris. Because <laughs> yeah. he was in the movie. It was a good movie. That was a great movie. Um, okay, Green Wedge for Science and Nature. How many years did it take Microsoft Windows to go from 1.0 to 10.0? So oh, again, wow. how many years did it take Microsoft Windows to go from 1.0, the version, to version 10.0 wow. multiple choice okay. oh, oh oh okay oh all right 20 25 or 30 30 it is 30 okay all right last question orange wedge for sports for which nba basketball team did lamar odom play during his rookie year oh okay that's yeah who and i will set down my <laughs> i was he drafted by? Oh, let me buzz in here first. Okay. Very yeah, pro forma, you know. Yeah, just because Chris abstains, you know. Yeah, the the uh, good job, rain rules of order require me to um, tickle the horse. Um, uh, was 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 <laughs> if you will, if you will. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, man, for me, it's right, it's Bulls. a it's a toss up here between Clippers or Bulls. Was it was it was it the Bulls? Was it the Chicago Bulls? It's the L.A. Clippers. Ah, okay. All right. Well, there you go. Overthinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. L.A. Clippers. Okay. All right. Well, by way of intro here, bear with me. Uh, I believe it was last episode we got to talking about uh, movies uh, before the pandemic at one point. And uh, I mentioned what what the last <laughs> we talked about the last movies that we saw before pandemic. Chris right? watched Cats. Yeah, <laughs> Chris saw Cats. Uh, I saw Uncut Gems. Well, I also definitely remember the first movie that I saw back in the theaters after pandemic. I mean, it definitely it got oh. very easy to watch movies at home there for a while. So the first movie that we made the trek back to the actual butt in a chair in a theater was. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, uh, yeah. Which was yeah. just too too much of an opportunity to pass up to see on the big screen. As you probably saw just recently, it scored 11 nominations at this year's Academy Awards. By the time this episode airs, who knows? It may have already won one or more several. awards. Yeah, several, Hopefully. let's say. Um, so anyway, I was thinking about this movie uh, because, you know, not not only is it doing great but it is an independent film i was inspired what could we talk about about the the little guys the underdogs and that is our theme for today's episode underdogs upsets cheering for the little guy number two and so this week we're rooting for the underdogs Well, let's just roll right from there into a quiz I have prepared for you, too. This will be a write-down quiz. I mentioned I was inspired by indie films, independent movies, and uh, did a little research here, put together a quiz for you about some of the highest-grossing independent films of all time. 
What is an independent film, you might ask? Yeah, that's my question. What, what, what's the, what's <laughs> what the proper definition? Yeah, I, I am going to be a little intentionally slippery and evasive here to avoid okay. um, uh, complaints from our moviegoing uh, fans in the audience. But generally, you've got your your major studios, okay, historically over the years. You know, your, your Disney's, your Universal's, several other names that are household names. And... When we talk about independent films, we're talking about movies that are largely made outside of that system, okay? Not being okay. produced or financed or developed by by what are considered at that time the Big major weeks. studios uh, in, in Hollywood. And it gets fuzzy because over the years, you know, especially starting in the 1990s, a lot of what were one time legitimately independent film companies proceeded to be purchased by the major studios. This quiz is about movies that, at least when they came out, were legitimately considered independent film by the film community, okay? And we're going to leave it at that, all right? Okay, we will make this a write-down quiz. All right, I will give you some clues. You will be giving me the name of the movie here. Okay. Controversial upon its release in 2004... This film would go on to become the highest grossing independent film of all time, a record it holds to this day. It has undoubtedly the oldest source material of any movie in this quiz. 2004. Source material. Mm. I'm thinking like the Bible? Who stars in it? Give us a. Give us a <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I will not be. I will not be give, telling you anything like who stars in it. These are these are these are big. These are big name movies. I guarantee you. You have heard of this movie. Just trust your gut. Trust your gut, Karen. I think you're smarter than you think. Answers up when you are ready. Okay. Two thousand four, largely the uh, passion project of one man. It is indeed. Uh, okay, the right. Passion of the Christ. You have both written down. Yes, uh, Mel Gibson directed. Co-wrote, co-produced, made this movie happen. Oh, um, personal and yeah, it really, really was, really was, yeah. And as I say, no, no small amount of controversy for for many reasons. Nearly twenty years ago, and still the the top spot. Uh, wow, even, no even, way. Even adjusted for inflation. Okay, moving right along. Like its main character, this nineteen ninety seven American film had humble beginnings evolving from a story originally written for a university playwriting class. More more descriptions, please. It was uh, written for a university class uh, at Harvard University. Oh! Oh, okay, thank you. I, I guess. I Perhaps guess. too much of a clue there. Maybe, I don't know, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah they had to, let's see here, Karen. Yes, you both, you both got it there with the Harvard clue. It is... Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Uh written, of course, by Matt Damon, the the student at Harvard at the time, and Ben Affleck. Mm. Well, uh, it's hard to by... think that that's a that's an indie film. Yeah. I mean, I mean they're big stars now, you know. They, like I mean, they then, were they nobodies were. then. I mean, it took yeah. them it took them a long time to get that movie made. I mean, there were a number of, you know, potential directors. They they had to fight even to to stay cast in the movie. I mean, oh. in retrospect. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, I mean it went on to win I mean, they won Academy Award and Robin Williams won an Academy Award for his role in the movie. All right, let's let's stay in 1997. And I, and I want you guys to just 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 open your minds here, all right? And just and just go with me. Uh, this 1997 British release was a hit, not just at home, but around the world. It was by far the number one grossing movie in the UK. Stayed that way until it was overtaken by Titanic. I'm going to oh. give you some awards this movie won. Okay. okay? okay. And you okay. tell me if you think you can guess the movie. All right. And maybe mm-hmm. you guess it, maybe you won't. But here we go. All right. 1997. Uh, 1997. It won uh, the BAFTA award for best film. It won the European Film Award for Best Film. Whoa. And it won the Academy Award for Best Original Musical or Comedy Score. That's all I'm going to give you. I'm going to need a oh. guess. 1997, British. I think Chris and I should work together. Okay. Okay, yeah, let's so turn it's, it the fatal- a... Mortal Kombat fatality into friendship. Yeah, okay. 97, Musical or Comedy British. Score. British. 
Oh, so so I was thinking. Oh man, no, the Irish blues. That's 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 maybe earlier. The commitments. It's not bad. It's, it's not oh. bad. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. is it the is it the full Monty? Karen, it is the full Monty. Oh my god! Yeah, it is the full Monty, and that movie stayed the top grossing movie in the uk for so long for so long and like if you if you look at the list now like honestly like 99 percent of the movies above it are are star wars and avengers and you know avatars and things of that nature um yeah just an astoundingly big hit uh in britain and the rest of the world and of course there was the touring the musical show and all that yeah the full monty Robert Baratheon was in the Full Monty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Two points available on this question. There are two films from Asian countries in the mm, top mm, mm. 20 highest grossing independent films of all time. For one point each, mm. can you name these movies? From household Asian names. country. Okay. Household names. Yeah. Would they be independent in their own country? What if it's like funded by a major studio in their own country? But you're talking about the American release. Yeah, that's right. And certainly some movies on this list, you know, may have in some cases been distributed with some financing, but we're talking about how the movie was financed, produced, generated, largely distributed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're no, we're working together. I forgot we're working together. We're okay. working together. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. you, you oh, oh, the sure. on okay. me. Okay. Uh, okay. No, I, All right. Yeah, exactly. Well, why don't you uh, try okay. and give me one name? Why don't you try and give me one name here? Parasite. Parasite is one. Yes, from oh, 2019. Really? Oh, okay. That's right. Oh, what's Karen. the other one you wrote? That's the only one. Oh I, I no, I didn't write that. No, no, no. I, I wrote uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I was wondering if like that. You was got it. You got it. Those are the two. There you go. That's right. Wow. Yeah, that is yeah. so not indie to me. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so two points, I guess, to both of you. Now we're sharing. Yeah, we've. A- I mean, we've answered everything correctly, I guess. So you would have been tied on down the line. Mm-hmm. All right, <clears throat> this 2002 film had a budget of only five million dollars. <laughs> never, never hit number one at the box office but went on to become the highest grossing romantic comedy of all time, spawning not one, but two sequels and a TV show. I know. Okay. But we're working together, so you're fine, Chris. I got (laughs) it. Okay, you know what? Karen's very confident. What was your guess? What what, what was your guess? I was going to say Bridget Jones' Diary. Mm, That's a good guess. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. I think Karen... Karen Ready? She knows it. Yeah. My big fat Greek wedding. Ding, ding, ding. You okay. got it. $5 million budget. I mean, we say only, but I mean, you got to keep in mind in the world of Hollywood, you know, in 2002, uh, that movie eventually made more than $350 million against its $5 million budget. And then now they're coming up with a three. That's oh, what they say. Okay. Has not come out yet. Believe it or not, this non-traditional 1990 superhero film released by New Line Cinema was, at the time, the highest grossing independent film to date. Okay. There's a lot of change in the 1990s. So this was Mm -hmm. right right before kind of the, the indie revolution. When I hear New Line Cinema, I think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Mm, I was going to say Batman. It was, in fact, Teenage Mutant yeah, Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Major studios passed on yeah, More than one major studio passed on this movie. They smelled flop. They smelled potential failure. Uh, in particular, Chris, another favorite of yours, the, the, the failure of the Masters of the Universe movie not oh, long yeah. before oh. that kind of scared off some of yeah, the, the major studios. Disney passed on it. You know, I yeah. mean, Paramount passed on it. Yeah. They uh, made a He-Man movie? Oh, they did. <laughs> It was it was live action, but they did it the cheap way, which is oh, <laughs> He Man comes to Earth. He Man oh. is in New York City. He Man is in a house. Fish you out know, of water. Like, yeah, yeah. How yeah. do we? It's fish out of water, but it's like it's not what anybody wanted. It was like no, 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 no. no. We we want to want to see like you know He Man castle and characters and right exactly. It was not great. Courtney Cox was in it though. All right, last one, 
And uh, in keeping with the theme of underdogs in particular, this 1990 independent film had a long road to the screen, uh, but eventually became one of the biggest hits of the decade, one of only three Westerns ever to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards. I'm going to guess Unforgiven. Ooh. That's right. a really good guess. I wrote down Tombstone. I wrote down Tombstone because <gasps> that's all I can think. I love Tombstone. Tombstone, good yeah. movie too. Uh, Unforgiven is one of the other three westerns to win. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, in, God. Uh, okay. yeah, yeah. Just, okay. just, uh, yeah, ninety-two. Um, so yes. just, just a little bit earlier. This movie um, started out as like basically a spec script. It, it was uh, no one bought it. Uh, the the eventual director and star of this movie loved this story he uh he encouraged the the writer to turn it into a novel uh because it wasn't getting published as a script and he's like if you turn oh, it into a novel it'll get published and i will buy the rights essentially is what happened oh. so that's pretty and but the novel was rejected multiple times <laughs> finally the novel got published in 1988 and the director and star of this movie bought the rights wanted to direct it they, they had trouble raising money for the movie. The, the studios were scared off by Westerns at that point. It had been a yeah. long time since someone had made a serious grown-up Western uh, to this point. Any, any, any? Dances with Wolves? There you go. Oh. Kevin Costner? Dances with Wolves. That's right. I yeah. Okay. And in retrospect, I mean, this movie was what, inescapable at one so point. so well. So It did so well. So well. Huge. Yeah. His parody in Hot Shots. Uh-huh. The, the ultimate mark Charlie of distinction. She, yeah. yeah, yeah. Being, being parodied. Um, He's cooking eggs on her stomach. Yeah. 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 And then, I mean, it, it's, it's, no, it, it's no coincidence that I think, you know, there were several kind of more high profile Westerns over the ensuing years. Um, it kind of sort of kickstarted the, the, uh, the belief that a Western oh. could do well. So Costner, I mean, to his credit, man, he really, he fought for that story slash mm-hmm. novel slash movie all the way from the beginning written by michael blake i should of course give this writer credit by name michael blake uh, and just to close it out here for someone who needs closure on the anecdote that third western there in the trio was uh 1931's cimarron oh geez. i cannot oh. i cannot confess to having seen this movie uh this was a pre-code movie but all credit to cimarron uh with dances with wolves and unforgiven yeah um so uh not bad you guys you guys uh you know oh. you, you know your indie films may be better than you thought so at yeah because these to me aren't even like they don't yep. they don't have the what we currently think of the indie moniker you know, we I, I, Americans, maybe especially, we sometimes equate indie with like art house or you know yes, uh, yes, avant garde, yes, yes. and not not saying that that doesn't overlap, but yeah, at one point, every one of these movies pretty much had to face a, an uphill battle of some sort. Um, yeah, good job, well done. So on the top of the show, uh, we described this episode dedicated to uh, to the underdog, the 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 little guy you cheered for, uh, the number two. So in my segment today. I assure you, I will cover the underdog, the small guy you cheer for, and the number two. Uh, I'm going to play a mystery clip first. I'm not going to explain it, but it's going to come back later. It'll all be related, I assure you. (laughs) All right. It was the producer who led me, producer-director who led me into this. He had the idea that he should actually come over as a very, very proper and rather cultivated English gentleman. (laughs) I thought that was a great idea. So let me set the scene. Late 90s, uh, a man called Bruce Lund, Bruce Lund had an idea uh, for a board game, and it was to teach young kids how to take care of their dog. The real focal point of this game is this centerpiece that he imagined, which is like a large toy dash hound, like, like sausage dog. Players take turns feeding this toy dog with fake dog food accessories. And then you take turns pumping its leash and the dog (laughs) will start farting and more and more and more. And eventually Uh that dog food will travel and come out as a pile of dog poop. And, (laughs) and if that happens on your turn, you take your little scooper, you scoop it up. The player who collects three poops wins. (laughs) So this was in the late nineties. 
he couldn't find a single game company or toy company who's interested. Everybody laughed at him. I mean, the people he, he worked with was kind of like, this is too weird, man. And, <laughs> and just to give you the toy landscape, uh, what we're seeing at that time, this is late 90s, let's just say the year 2000. In year 2000, we saw Sony PlayStation 2, the, the Poochie or the, the Ibo robot dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Razor Scooter. Uh, hit clips which is like the music player so i'm sure when bruce lund kind of showed his idea the toy execs were like uh who wants this manual clay squeezing simple basic looking dog when you can have a robot dog right <laughs> uh and most importantly who wants to play with dog crap you can go buy realistic poop at your local spencer's gift store like gag <laughs> gifts and it's yeah. and it's not a toy it's a gag that's, right? that's something that you really feel you need yeah you yeah. can get almost the get real that. deal right um, yeah yeah exactly i mean if you have access to a dog you can you can just get it right <laughs> yeah. from the source too yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. It's straight, straight from the source um thankfully for for bruce lund a dutch company called goliath games uh became interested and helped him and uh, develop the game bring the game to life and more importantly, to the shelves of stores. The game is called Doggy Do. <laughs> 2010 finally hit the stores. One top toy of the year in the Netherlands, um, in other countries. And this was one of the first early examples of toys making poop fun. Fast forward, that was 2010. Fast forward to 2018. At the North American International Toy Fair... In New York City, people saw many toy companies, including Mattel and Hasbro, promoting so many poop and toilet-themed mm. toys. 2018. So here are ex examples, uh, some names of, of these games and toys. Don't Step On It, uh, <laughs> which you can guess. It's like a game yeah. mat. You're like blindfolded. There's yes. like dog poop and you're, you're like listening to directions. Uh, flush and frenzy, poopies, <laughs> uh, poop balls. Man, I came across this blog. It's called uh, toyboxphilosopher.com. The writer had this entry called Here's the Poop, where they went and bought uh, some of the poop toys and tried it out. It's pretty involved. So, okay, let me just describe some. So, there was pooparoos. In the box is a toy toilet, a collectible like squishy monster, and little packets of toilet paper. And a poop scoop. So what you're supposed to do is you fill up the toy toilet with water. You put the packets of toilet paper in the water. The wrapper dissolves in the water, becomes gel, revealing a monster snack. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right. Okay. There's so many ideas at work in this toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so many. There's dissolvable. Whiteboard and it's like, <laughs> yeah, dissolves. Poop? Monsters. <laughs> Candy, yeah. and all of it is circled. Everything is circled. Somebody just, yeah. somebody just stands up after like five hours and it's just like big circle around everything. Everything. This example: dissolve the toilet paper packet. It reveals a boot that you're supposed to then feed it to the squishy monster. You jam it into the the squishy monster's mouth. Then you squeeze the monster to help it travel through to its butthole. And there's a photo of like trying trying to get the boot to pass through. So so many ideas. And then uh, just very quickly, the next toy the writer plays with is it's kind of like one of those collectible figurines blind box where you don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so the figurine comes with parody food, like parody branded food, like poop tart, uh, poop farts, which is pop tarts, poop ah. farts, and and it always comes with a drink. So th there's Farta, like Fanta. Mm, mm. Get this. The soda can is actually a syringe. You're supposed to fill it with water, inject the water into the figurine's mouth, you shake the figurine, and you wait. If, because this is blind box, you don't know what you're going to get, right? And if your figurine has a heart-shaped butthole, then you have a pooper. If if you if it doesn't have a heart shaped butthole, then it's a spitter. <laughs> so slowly but surely, the reaction between the water and whatever powder is inside the toy will react and and become solid, and it will exit one way or the other, depending which figurine you have. And I sound so funny and gross, 
all the stuff is so cute. It's sparkly. It's mm-hmm. glittery. Mm-hmm. It, even the toilet is cute. The boot is okay. cute. You okay. know, the butthole is a heart shape. You know, it's everything's right, right. cute. It's not like garbage pail kids. It's not going for gross energy. It's right. Okay. Yeah. And it's colorful and kids today love it. And experts, and I'm sure like marketers or people who study trends and stuff, have really been looking at this poop toy phenomenon. Why and how and when did it become cute? When did it become like socially acceptable, you know, normalized mm. and colorful and pretty? So people have thoughts. Experts have thoughts. So one one interesting theory is that the generation who grew up with like edgier cartoon shows like South Park. Um, you know, where there was a talking poo character, uh, Mr. Right. Hanky, mm-hmm. that generation are now parents. And so they have kids. So for, for them, poop is, it's not as taboo as the generations mm, right, before, right, right. right? It's like on screen and it talks and haha funny, you know? Right. Just like a member of the family, really. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But most people agree there is one contributing factor, one major inflection point when poop became cute most people are certain and i'm quoting slate here it starts with the poop emoji okay (laughs) in 1997 three different japanese cell phone carriers had their own distinct emoji sets Mm -hmm. and each one of them had a poop emoji Right. And we're talking, this is 97, right? So it's, we're not color touchscreen. This is like, oh, yeah, yeah. LED sure. pixels, right? Right. So out of the three companies, SoftBank or what became SoftBank, 1997, their poop emoji, it's like a black and white pixely poop with mm. a smile. Uh... It wasn't until Apple entered the emoji scene that the now famous poop emoji found its true cute little face slate went on interviewing angela guzman who interned at apple in 2008 2008 it was, it was a while ago uh she was on the team that was tasked with the goal of designing apple emojis including the poop emoji she says one of the things we debated was how do we want to draw this little pile of poop do we want to <laughs> keep the eyes do we want it to smile do we want flies around it? Some, you know, other versions have flies. They they kind of went on downplaying the grossness and upped yeah. the cuteness. Yeah, right? yeah. The, the, the kawaii trend of the 1980s. Yeah. Everything to something cute. And the fact that bodily humor is actually extremely prevalent in Japanese. Like, that's never been taboo mm. in Japanese children's entertainment the manga that kids were reading and things like that i mean you had you had nudity you know and you also had bodily humor jokes you know and that was crayon shin chan crayon shin chan Mm -hmm, and butts mm -hmm. and 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 poop and that that japanese dairy queen swirl you know manga poop, you know with whether it had a face or not no hang-ups about um that body humor poop always sort of shows up in comics and things like that because because they're aiming straight at what do kids find funny. So yes, and now this is why uh, in the beginning of the segment I played that clip. It was Sir Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart talking about his illustrious voice acting role of playing the poop emoji in <laughs> the emoji <laughs> movie. <laughs> they talk about the perfect combination of the actor and the role well you know he and he I played poop in in royal shakespeare yeah so it's, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah yeah all right let's take a quick break and we'll be right back when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Good Job Brain. Smooth puzzles. Smart trivia. Good job, brain. And we're back. This week we're talking about underdogs. And Chris, you're up. I have, yes. So I have coincidentally put together another movie themed quiz. Um, so here's, <laughs> here's how mine goes for, for you all. Whether good or bad, you know, success or failure, indie or, or major motion picture, every film can feel like something of an underdog when it's when it's put up against the scathing tongue, the the pen of a of a critical review. <laughs> <laughs> so what I have assembled for you uh, is a list of quotes from negative reviews of films. I will give you the quote from the negative review, and you tell me the title of the film that it that negative quote is describing. Just to keep things a little more on theme for you folks, every film in this quiz has the word dog in it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we're titling this quiz, File Under Dogs. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to read these. So I'm going to read these quotes to you. I'm going I'm to say, uh, just for funsies, uh, where the quote was from, what outlet, uh, the year of the film. Um, and then I'll give you okay. the quote. If, I, if you hear me say the phrase film title, that means I've taken the film title out of the quote. All right, here we go. Okay, all some, right. <clears throat> some should be pretty easy. Some will be pretty tough. Buzz in if you think you know it. Question number one. The New York Times, 1989. Wow. If there were no other animated film in circulation at the moment, film title would be marginally worth recommending on the merits of Mr. Bluth's animation as it is opening in the formidable wake of The Little Mermaid, this film might as well roll over and play dead. <laughs> Karen. All dogs go to heaven. Correct. Yes. All yes. dogs yeah. go to heaven. Yes. By a Don yeah. Bluth uh, animation. Tough. It was really good. All from the New York Times. Yeah, oh, well, you know, man. I'm saying, yeah. you know, again... No matter what, I mean, remember, even famously, Citizen Kane, they found a negative review of it, which brought it <laughs> to right. score down from 199. Right. They had to dig it up from like the, you know, the 30s or whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. Question number two. This is from The Spectator, uh, 1975. The 11 characters working in the bank are just as dreary as the scenery. The only thing I can say in their favor is that they object to the foul-mouthed comments of the robber hero. Colin. That is Dog Day Afternoon. That is Dog Day Afternoon. Al Pacino. John Cazale. I was thinking of not telling you they all had dog in the title and just letting you. you but know, after two, after two, we would have been like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and Hang in on. fact, uh, for, for number three, you might need it for this one. A little more obscure, but let's see. Okay. Question number three. This is the Washington Post, 1980. Mm. Although cast in a supporting role, second in command to the obsessed mercenary played by Christopher Walken, whose zombie trance and impenetrable motivation would be better suited to a zap fest about robots tom berenger is spared unsightly hang-ups and handles the weaponry more sexily than the ostensible star so he oh, handles the weapons sec- more sexily man. than so a lot's going on there God. there's weaponry okay. there's christopher walken there's tom berenger 1980 i feel like i should know this has dog like, in the title. Yeah. I, I mean, right. if the light's not going off. Sure, some listeners know. Uh, the movie, the film is called The Dogs of War. Oh, okay. Hey, sometimes trivia is hard. Exactly. That's right. That's true. That's true. Yep, that's right. All right. Question number four. The New Yorker. The New Yorker, 1996. 
Garofalo has a certain barbed charm, oh. but it's put to shallow <laughs> use here. The worst insult is to Thurman, who is condemned to play yet another male trophy, a fantasy girl who scrunches her nose when she laughs and walks like a newborn <laughs> fawn. That's... It's very descriptive, I yes. would say. All right. Well, I think I, Colin, I think buzzed in a little bit. On the first, I, I, I think we both know it. It is must must love dogs, right? No or, truth oh, about no. cats and dogs. Oh, okay. oh I was absolutely not wrong. Dogs. Karen is correct. This is a rom com. It's more. It, this is the Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, yes. Jean Garofalo yes. is self conscious, and she okay. has Thurman imitate her on a date. Yeah. Question number five: The Washington Post, nineteen ninety seven. In film title, a blithely unfunny, low-budget comedy from director Barry Levinson, the American president, the most featured character in the movies lately, has been accused mm. of sexual misconduct on the eve of his intended re-election. Remember the theme, Colin? Uh, I believe that is Wag the Dog. That is Wag oh, the Dog. Yes. With Robert De Niro. That's right. They, Robert De Niro. The whole point of this movie is they generate this war. War. To distract yeah. from. To distract. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot that was like why they did it. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. 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 Dustin yes. Hoffman, Kirsten Dunst. Mm. Yep. Uh, question number six Chicago Tribune, 2002. Cuba Gooding Jr. slums it here, getting his name above the title in exchange for getting dragged through the snow, sprayed by a skunk, chased by a bear, and punched out by James Coburn. Wow. I didn't know James Aaron, Coburn was this. Aaron buzzed in first. Yes, yeah. and it's... Snow Dogs. It's Snow Dogs. Mm -hmm. Snow Dogs. Disney's Snow Dogs. Also, the review also mentioned that, like, the trailer for this movie and the posters certainly make it seem like it's a Disney uh, live-action movie that's about a, a bunch of talking dogs. You know what I mean? Oh. Making wisecracks to each other. There's apparently one dream sequence in which the dogs talk to each other. But, like, <laughs> that small sequence was made to serve as all the marketing for the movie. Bait and, and switch. In fact, it is, yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. You had my interest with talking dogs. <laughs> yeah, but you I closed know. the deal with Cuba no, with Gooding Cuba Jr. Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, yeah. Academy Award yeah, winner. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Question seven. Entertainment Weekly. The year is 2000. As young Willie, Malcolm in the Middle's Frankie Muniz looks uncomfortable without any irony to latch onto. And a subplot about the black denizens of World War II era Yazoo, Mississippi is dropped before it can threaten to develop an edge. Oh. Wow, what is yeah. this movie? Whoa, Frankie Muniz, World War Two. Yep. In oh, the this military. Sounds, this sounds Frankie, vaguely... Like Frankie Muniz led young Frankie no Muniz, 2000. Uh, Dog I feel in the like title. I, if you got it at home, you get double points. I'll give you guys, I'm going to give you guys the, the second quote. Second all quote, right, ready? Okay. okay. Worst of all, the Jack, <laughs> worst of all, the Jack Russell playing Skip is allowed to mug oh. a la Frazier's Eddie instead of behaving like an actual canine. <laughs> Karen. My dog Skip. My there you go. The film is Skip. called My Dog Skip. Ke is Kevin Bacon in that one? I think he Sorry, is. Sorry, maybe he is. Well, that if he is, then that Jack Russell has a great Kevin Bacon number. That's for sure. I like how I like how they're making it sound like the dog was agitating for more screen time. I you know can't what believe I mean? they let the dog <laughs> yeah. get away yeah. with this. Yeah. What a diva. <laughs> yeah. All right. Question number eight. People magazine. That's people's picks and pans, Scholar. <laughs> People. People magazine, 1992. Director name jumps capriciously from standard narrative to flash back and flash forward never showing the crime that is the movie's pivotal event, the oh. robbery of a diamond wholesaler. Uh, Karen. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> so yes. 
So some of many of these many of these films, it is Reservoir Dogs, Quentin Tarantino. Many of these reviews are for movies that had at least at the very least a in some cases a, a profoundly negative reception. Sometimes a mixed reception. Sometimes they were good films and somebody just didn't like it. This this People Magazine review, like again reviewing films, especially like you know when you're doing it right then and there, is a very difficult job because something could become say an acclaimed masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then you're the person who just words, didn't yeah. get it. The People Magazine review, I'm sorry, is a is a list of cool things about this movie, and but written in a way that suggests that the the author just has no idea like why they would do it this way, you know, and, and just just like this, he doesn't even show the crime. All they, yeah. all they show is what the guys do after. What well, doesn't make any sense? Yeah. yeah, that's the point. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, question nine. Uh, we had to get him in here. Roger Ebert. Here he is. Mm, mm-hmm. Roger Ebert. <gasps> Chicago Sun-Times, 1980. Among the great unrecorded conversations in Hollywood history, we must now include the one in which Chevy Chase's agent convinced him that playing Benji would be the right career move. Oh. Karen. Is this like Shaggy Dog Returns? It's n- it's not. It's not in the Shaggy Dog series. Universe? No. Okay. It's not Shaggy Dog anything. The SDU. Another line from the review. Chevy Chase dies, goes to heaven, and is processed by a Mr. Higgins, who informs him that he can redeem his sinful record on Earth by going back and solving the original murder. The only catch is he'll have to go back as a dog. <laughs> <laughs> The film was called Oh Heavenly Dog. Oh Heavenly oh. Dog. Wow. In which Chevy Chase plays ben- Benji. Literally Benji. Like not, he's, Roger Ruber's not being funny. It was, it was a Benji movie, but it was trying to like, no. they were trying to make a Benji movie for adults. Huh. So it was like a PG rated Benji movie. It's just the dog doing stuff. And we hear Chevy Chase's narration over it, you know, cause it's him. But yeah, I, I won't go in to what <laughs> happens in the plot but you can wikipedia it and your and your eyeballs can melt some good some good people got tricked into being this movie yes okay well i'll move on we'll move on to the final question question 10 this is the bbc review in 2006 as the workaholic district attorney turned into a bearded collie Tim Allen only stops short of leg humping in his attempts to win our affections. Uh, Karen. This is part of the SDU. This is yeah. part of the Shaggy Dog universe. <laughs> Returns to No, you know, it's just okay. it's just the it's Shaggy Dog. The shaggy it's, dog. It is Fast they serious, they re, yes. they remake it every X number of decades. Yeah, this was yeah. the 19, this is the, the, the 2006 uh remake of The Shaggy Dog. I remember this movie to- poster. It it is of Shaggy Dog's like the dog's face, but they photoshop in Tim Allen's eyes, human eyes. Some of these films probably deserve to get ripped into. Yeah, good job, brains. Good job. If you're out there and you got all ten, congratulations to you. You are a true lover of uh, dog films. Yeah, very, very, very little overlap in our quizzes. Luckily, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It's like I I went and saw Reservoir Dogs and there were no dogs at all in that. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> reservoirs. Why Why couldn't Harvey Keitel have been played by a dog that he did comical voiceover for? Two and a half stars. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We have our last segment. Colin. All right. Let's, let's do a little quick free association style word game here. All right. No, no tricks, no jokes. I'm just, oh, I, I want you guys to just give me the, just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. La, la, um, la, la. Uh, and we'll go, we'll go in order here. All right. You can each give me an answer. All right. Uh, we'll go, we'll go Karen first, then Chris. Um, name, name me a brand of root beer, Karen. A and W. 
All right, Chris. Uh, Docs. Okay, yeah. All right, and it can be the same one. It's all right. Don't feel don't feel too much pressure. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Name me a brand of lemon lime flavored soda. Sprite. Sprite. Name me a brand of sparkling water. Perrier. Buble. Uh, Buble. Oh. Buble. <laughs> Both very French. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. My my angle into this story uh, started with reading about Perrier. Uh, very, very French. Authentically French. Not yes, fake yes. French. Anything like that. Let's pause there. Let's pause there. All right. I'm glad you. I'm glad you named some names here for me. Let's jump back a few years. In the period from 2010 to 2014 all right was was a lot of change in in the beverage industry Ooh. uh in that period coke and pepsi that you know that they of course just don't make their respective namesake sodas they they're huge 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 corporations diversified many brands and sub brands across all the segments of the beverage industry over those four years 2010 2014 coke and pepsi each lost about five percent market share in the water segment all right oh and still in, now that's that's big deal if you're at coke or pepsi losing four four and a half five five and a half percent of any segment you don't want to see that in that same time period a company with the extremely inspired name of national beverage corporation <laughs> experienced 67 percent growth all right. Mm. They were killing it in that time period. And this was all leading up to around 2015 was really kind of a high or low watermark, depending on how you look at where you were in this <laughs> industry for sales of sodas, sugary sodas and sugary drinks in particular. Oh. All right. The National Beverage Corporation was just take share hand over fist of market away from the from the big names with their number one product. A little drink brand, I know you know, known as LaCroix. Wow. I have to say, like, right around 2015 was the first year I remember, like, hearing about LaCroix. And I feel like for me, that summer, it just kind of just burst onto my scene anyway. But it had obviously been building steadily over the previous, yeah, four years, as I say, 67% Mm -hmm. growth. LaCroix, in particular, really made their primary gains among young people. This is from an article in the Orlando Sentinel in 2019. Quote, among a flood of sparkling waters, LaCroix is arguably the ugliest in a good way. Uh, (laughs) And then it goes on to talk about how Pepsi is redesigning their cans around that time to appeal to a younger crowd. Um, It says, LaCroix fans seem to have gravitated toward the outdated neon cans because they don't have corporate associations. Uh, And then uh, there's a quote that says, I bet most people who drink LaCroix don't even know what national beverage is. Uh, And that is undoubtedly true uh, in 2015. It was still true in 2019, probably still true today. So they were one of these things that kind of took forever to become an overnight hit. Would you like to take a guess? We'll, we'll do closest to here. When, when did LaCroix Sparkling Water debut? When did, when did it uh, make its entry into the market? So must be before. Let's say 1992. Maybe like the 70s or something like that. Like mm. maybe, it, maybe it was like, you know, regional. <laughs> and yeah, so like, I don't know, 1974. Uh, LaCroix uh, was introduced in 1980. 1980. Okay. Before yeah, we're born. Just, we're <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. LaCroix is like as old as Pac-Man. I mean, LaCroix is mm-hmm. is a, a, an established name. Can we please not talk about how ancient things that were born in 1980 <laughs> are? Yes. Um, just, you know, just for reasons. Wow, it is super old. It is decrepit. <laughs> And one foot in the grave already. <laughs> uh, they they were a big hit, or they were certainly at least known uh, in the Midwest, is from what I've read. It's because the original company uh, that that introduced Lacroix was based in Wisconsin. They are based in Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Now. Let's let's Cro- let's what, go- Croix is French for cross. It is a direct allusion to lacrosse, the town which is named after the sport lacrosse, uh, oh. which yes, which which was Funny. 
the, I mean, the, the sport was a Native American sport, but the 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 Frenchified name of it was given because the equipment sort of resembled a oh, uh, yeah, crozier yeah. or a, a like a yeah a religious sort of cross. Whoa. Anyway, yeah, we're going real deep in the history here. Um, so it all comes back to France in one way or another, right? So Perrier, okay. So let's come back to Perrier. Now Perrier, I mean, has been around for a very long time. Uh, for for most of its history, sold in in Europe, in France, and and in UK. Uh, in the late 70s, the Perrier company decided to uh, break into the U.S. market. In 1976, they sold 3 million bottles of Perrier, okay? Is that a lot? So, all right, so that's your baseline. 3 million bottles in 1976. By 1979, they sold 200 million bottles. Okay. So extremely rapid growth. Uh, even Perrier was not sure how successful they would be in America, you know, the land of you know, beer and soda, right? Perrier became uh, maybe not household name, but it, it was extremely, extremely successful. They bought Calistoga. They bought Poland Spring. By 1988, Perrier alone uh, accounted for 80% of all bottled water imported into the U.S. All right. Whoa. So in the 80s, Perrier kind of had this market to themselves. I mean, they definitely were getting Coke and Pepsi's attention, but they they didn't warm up nearly as quickly as the G. Heilman Brewing Company of La Crosse, Wisconsin. The Heilman Brewing Company is sort of an underdog in the sense that they had been around for a really long time. That you know they had made um, some very well known beers, but they were oh, okay. not. They were not as successful as like Anheuser-Busch or, you know, Miller or, you know, some of the other big, big, big dogs, uh, if you will, in the in the brewing game. But they were around for like 100 years. They decided in 1980 to sort of position an anti-Perrier drink. All right. So now Perrier very deliberately... You know, kind of to triangulate themselves, Got and they did. It. They did this really well. Perrier kept kind of the high class appeal, yes. and the sort of the Frenchified is like, oh, it's Perrier, how fancy. The Highland Brewing Company saw some room here to kind of come in below Perrier on sort of the uh, the snob scale, and yeah, like very deliberately, we are a, a, an American, all American brand, you made right here in the USA, made in the Midwest, and capitalizing you, on the Frenchy name. Having it both ways, which is really yeah. nice. Like capitalizing on the French name, but also if you go to if you go to the Lacroix website on their on their frequently asked questions page, literally the first question is, "How is Lacroix pronounced?" And the answer is Lacroix. It rhymes with enjoy, which is a delightful little bit of marketing copy. <laughs> Intentionally, it's not Lacroix. It is Lacroix, American sparkling water. If you're from, you know, in or around La Crosse, Wisconsin, you, you may have heard of Lacroix your entire life. But I, I promise you, it took a long time to uh, make its way out to the coasts, basically blow up uh, in the few years leading up to 2015. Uh, I read that 2015 was a 30-year low point for soda sales in the U.S., sugar wow. soda sales. So in the 90s, actually, the Highland Brewing Company had to spin off the brand. So it had been a while since they had sold it to what eventually uh, ended up at National Beverage Corporation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that is the, you know, maybe humble often at points under dogged story of how LaCroix took 40 years to be an overnight success. And I can't believe I didn't know it had to share it with you all. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, it, it got a good swath of Americans saying pomplamoose. So it can't be all bad. <laughs> Why did they just say grapefruit? Why is it pomplamoose? <laughs> This is the drink that started off as uh, anti uh, anti French, right, or anti snob. Anyway, yeah, right. All right, and that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me, and thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned stuff about Lacroix, uh, dog movies, indie movies, and poop toys. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on all podcast apps, and on our website, GoodJobBrain.com. This podcast is part of Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other shows like the Pirate History Podcast, Your Brain on Facts, 
and food with Mark Bittman. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.